morning, Jeff. Good day, Kirk. How are you today? I'm well. I'm looking out the window at weather that I haven't seen for months. We've had two straight days of, well, blue sky and not wind. We've had these storms and we've had rain and it's been terrible. That sounds terrible. I mean, you know, more time to play with photos, I guess, but still. Well, but not much time to go out and take photos. And this has actually been a problem the past three months. The weather's been so bad that I've really not shot many photos. Um, I've shot some stuff indoors and my cats are kind of getting tired of it, um, <laughs> but I'd really like to get out and get around a little bit because I, I like, well, we don't have any snow here, but I like winter as a season when you don't have leaves on trees and you get a lot of interesting branches. You get interesting light because the sun's so much lower at the, you know, when you get to the golden hour at the end of the day. Um, but I mean, we've had winds gusting in the 30 and 40 mile an hour um, range for the past three months. Um, the past three weekends, we've had a named storm. Wow. Um, so it's just it's just too much. Anyway, um, you, meanwhile, are in the coronavirus capital of the United States. So. Hey, isn't that great? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I was going to say um, I, I was going to brag briefly because uh, Seattle recently had, I think, uh, one of its longest stretches of days of cloudiness. We went something like 80 days consecutive <laughs> of clouds. Uh, and, and that broke. And somebody pointed out in, uh, I want to say, late February, they're like, hey, it's the first sunny day of the decade. Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, you know, basically for all you people who want to come to Seattle or the UK, uh, just be prepared for some gray. Um, yeah. And and now, of course, uh, be prepared for some coronavirus. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. A lot. And you a don't lot. need masks. No, no, you, you don't need masks because what you end up doing is you want to avoid sharing germs. However, ah, and this is a really terrible, to, terrible transition, you, you might, might want to share photos. Ooh, interesting. I like how you did that. Uh, it, it was not done very well, but let's push on anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, yes, today we want to talk about sharing photos. and. You know, back in the day, you would share a photo by getting a couple extra prints from the drugstore and giving them to your friends or mailing them. Um, now we have so many ways to share photos. When you think about it, a photo is a digital file like any other. So there are multiple ways to send a digital file to someone. But with photos, you get a number of other possibilities. And we'll talk about albums and other things later. Um, but Photos are meant to be shared, and not all of them, but, you know, photos are a social artifact, aren't they? You're on vacation, you take photos, you want to show them to your family. You're at a picnic, you've got a bunch of friends, you take photos, you want to share them. And this has long been one of the reasons why people like to take photos, because it extends their social group, it, it bonds them with their friends and family. Well, and also... You have the sharing that is, uh, you know, one of the big reasons why Instagram became such a juggernaut is because you are able to share something that you captured right away with friends or with, you know, whatever audience you have. And that's that's definitely one kind of sharing. Um, as, as someone who's written books about photography and articles about photography, and I'm sure you know this, too. There's always like the chapter at the end that says, OK, we're going to we're going to talk about sharing photos first email them or export them and like like that's a completely different thing because what we want to talk about here is how do you get photos to other people 
in a way that's that, that's most convenient. And what frequently happens, uh, you know, I, I have a daughter, uh, she has, you know, uh, music events at school or birthday parties and all sorts of social occasions. And all the parents have uh, cameras or they have, they have phones. And quite often, we want to share some of those pictures among each other. Well, the complexity of, okay, how do I get these photos that I just snapped with my iPhone or maybe took with my camera, how do I share them to this other person? How do I get them to a group of people? Maybe I want to make them available so that even people that I don't know, maybe other parents that I don't know personally, how do I get them copies of the those images? And it can get really complicated really quickly. Now, while you were talking, I took a photo of you on the screen, and I'm about to share it on Instagram in the PhotoActive account. Awesome. That's perfect. That's perfect. So, so this is a good example of doing it almost in real time. And that's the thing about Instagram is you can do that. You can, um, you can be at an event, and you can immediately send out what's happening to people. You may not necessarily want to do that, and we'll talk a little bit later about location data and photos that you might not want people to know where you are. Um, but the immediacy of sharing photos here compared to waiting for the drugstore um, to make your prints. And anyway, you get the prints and you choose three or four that you want to get multiple prints of to share. Um, it takes a long time. Whereas here, it, it's almost photos like that are almost not photographs. And I don't need, I don't want to make a distinction of like real photos and snapshots, but in a way it's like that. Um, when we're talking about composition, I would say that those are closer to real photos. Photos, photography is a craft, as an art. When we're talking about quick sharing, it's photos, as I said before, a social artifact. Well, I, I think there's very much a difference between, say, photos, which uh, I always think of as being more deliberate. We've talked about this a lot in the past, um, versus snapshots. This is a really good opportunity to use the term snapshots, which is kind of a throwaway term, but this is really the type of thing where what you're taking a picture and what you want to share is not necessarily something that you expect to frame. Like this is capturing a moment you enjoyed or a small uh, item that piques your interest or, or your fancy, what have you. And you just want to get it out to somebody. And part of the reason that, that this came up when we were talking about topics is it turns out it's not really straightforward. Uh, I know I, I've already said how complicated it can be, but even like n not just trying to decide which uh, vehicle to use or which mechanism to use to share things, but even a few things about, you know, sharing images out of the Photos app. Uh, you know, last night when I was making notes, I could not find how to do something in the desktop version of photos. And you said, oh, well, it's in this other button that I hadn't even considered. And so, you know, hopefully this will help all of you listening to, you know, at least know what's, what's possible and what's available. I think what happens is people figure out a way to share photos and it may not be the best. So you've got a whole bunch of photos of your picnic and you pick 20 of them and you email them to all your friends. And that's not really ideal because some people may not have the bandwidth or they're getting them on their phones and using up their 
um, mobile bandwidth. They get all these photos in an email and they don't know what to do with them. They may not put them into another photo app or save them. They just may leave them in their inbox. Um, so I think if anyone who plans to regularly share photos, it's worth looking at the different ways to do this and choosing one that you'd like to do regularly. Um, one of the easiest ones I mentioned is email. And so if you're using an Apple device, whether it be a Mac, an iPad, or an iPhone, um, you can send photos or any other attachment with your email, if it's your Apple email, your mac.com, me.com, whatever. Um, and even if the size of these files and attachments is above what your ISP allows, which may be 10 or 20 megabytes, depending, um, you can use what they call mail drop to send up to one terabyte of files and which will last for 30 days. So people will get a link in their email and they'll be able to download the files. So it's not being sent by email. It's uploaded to a server and then it's stored and then it doesn't go to the recipient. Um, so that's a good way to do it if you want to send a lot of files, but you end up with the problem of what do people do with the files once they have them. You also run into the problem of you still have to upload those files and, you know, hopefully you're not going to be uploading a terabyte. However, you could be looking at several hundred megabytes, depending on how many photos you're going to send. Uh, the, the benefit right. to this is you don't run the risk of having your messages stuck in spam filters because you have lots of big attachments. So that's, and I have found even when I submit some articles to editors and I attach artwork using MailDrop works really well for that. Yeah. Um, so another option, if you're nearby a group of people, is AirDrop. This is my this is my favorite option, actually. And AirDrop is is just device to device. And um, in the same example that I was giving earlier, when we have a bunch of, of parents around or you're at a party, this is the best way to just send one or two or ten or even uh, you know if you have a video clip that's going to take a bit longer but you're you're just sending via Bluetooth directly to somebody who's near you no it's not Bluetooth actually airdrop is a mixed protocol um, it uses Bluetooth for discoverability so your iPhone is going to detect my iPad if we're within about 10 meters of each other through Bluetooth, then it sets up what's called a point-to-point Wi-Fi network, which is using what could be very fast Wi-Fi in your devices to send things directly. Now, this, this relies on a whole lot of things. Um, it relies on uh, you being signed into your Apple ID for authentication. Um, but what it doesn't need is to be on someone else's Wi-Fi network. So let's say you're at home and you want to airdrop a photo to a friend, they don't need to be on your Wi-Fi network to do this. You can do this from anywhere. Um, it's a really efficient way to do things that Apple has created here. Yeah. The only thing that I run into trouble doing this is just making sure that, that the recipients have AirDrop set up so that they can see each other because there, there are privacy uh, settings there to limit which contacts. And so, so quite often it'll be just, you know, set it for everybody. I will put a link in the show notes um, to an article I wrote on the Intego Mac security blog talking about AirDrop settings um, because AirDrop can actually be a bit problematic. If you leave the settings on to accept files from anyone, well, people can send you files in the sense um, there's a lot of people who send, what would be the word, um, uh, obscene photos Unwanted. via AirDrop on the subways <laughs> in New York. 
Um, and there have been a lot of issues with this. Uh, you can send malware uh, in files like this as well. So uh, check out this article if you do want to use AirDrop to find out um, the safe settings to have. Uh, basically, what you need is for people um, to change the settings when you're sending them photos and then to change them back afterwards. And it also requires that all these people have iPhones or iPads. Well, any Apple device. Any Apple device, yeah. Okay, so we talked about email and AirDrop. Email could be people anywhere, and AirDrop is for people who are local. Um, how about we take a break now, and when we come back, we'll talk about other ways of sharing photos using the web. Sounds great. Okay, so we've talked about sharing locally, sharing via email, but there are other ways to do this, and, and it's the web. And so let me give an example that I do. Um, I have a shared album in Apple's Photos app. Um, it is shared with my son and my partner, and I put photos up there occasionally. Um, I've got cat photos. I've got flower photos. I've got photos of um, my partner and I being in different places. Um, it's not a lot. But this way, I can share photos with either of them or with both of them. Um, now, it's easy to set this up. Uh, we'll link to an Apple document explaining how to do this. Um, it, it's kind of easy to set it up, but there are some tricks about figuring out exactly how the sharing thing works. Um, so you, you should look carefully at the Apple document because um, in order to allow people, and what Jeff was talking about before, that he didn't know where the setting was, to allow people to also upload their own photos, um, there's specific settings for that. And so what's interesting about that is you can create a shared album allowing people to upload photos. And let's say it's Jeff's Picnic is the album. And you put your photos, but your friends can put their photos up. And anyone who is sharing the album can download the photos, but they don't have to download them all. Yeah. And what's also nice is if you have, maybe you have somebody in your group that is not as technically proficient. Then what's nice about these photos shared albums is the images just come to their device and it just comes into the photos app. So they don't have to worry about how do I get it from email or from the web into my library. All they have to do is go to this shared album. We have one that's basically, you know, photos of my daughter and it's There's shared. a lot of photos in that album. There's a lot of photos in that album. That's right. <laughs> um, and, and that's that's shared with basically, you know, her grandparents, uh, a handful of friends who want to keep up with her that, that don't live nearby. And it is generally frictionless for them. There are other albums that might be more specific to events that I have set up so that, that those people can also contribute their own photos. And then you end up with this nice mix of it's not all stuff that I shot. It's stuff that, that everybody shot. Now, there's some problems with this. And actually, I wrote an article about this in Tidbits that I'll link in the show notes. Uh, I wrote this almost two years ago that sort of hits on 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 how this works but then also some of the limitations and one of the limitations is there's no there's no labeling of who shot what it all just kind of gets dumped into a big bucket and so you know for more casual use that's not a big deal but occasionally like like maybe you want to 
take a shot and share it somewhere. Well, you know, maybe that's not something that I shot myself. There's always a trade-off. There's always a trade-off, and there are a few sort of dumb trade-offs here. Um, I I get quite ranty in the article. <laughs> um, <laughs> so if you like, you know, the now trademark uh, uh, Jeff and Kirk rants, uh, add this to it. But um, it's 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 very flexible, and mostly it's very easy for other people because in most cases they don't want or need or are able to figure out these complexities that's kind of our job yeah and and these photos go on the web well these they photos can. are these photos can go on the web um and you can share a public link with people you can choose in in the settings whether people can upload their own photos or not um you can keep it private so it's not on the web but technically it is on the web um, a shared album is technically going through Apple's iCloud servers, and it's either being rendered as a web page or it's being sent to different devices. But we, people don't need to know that. Listeners don't need to know how it works. That's how the sausage <laughs> is made. Um, so photos share with friends you have in the note. You say in the For You screen, you get sharing suggestions sometime. Now, I have to tell you, I don't know where the For You screen is. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, because I don't use photos like that. I so know, I know. walk me through this. Okay, so on a device, and this isn't in the Mac version of Photos. Right, that's why. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So so on a device, there's the, the For You section, which has okay. all sorts of, uh, you know, suggestions and, 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 you know, machine learning stuff and things about, uh, you know, suggested edits. And one of the options often is sharing suggestions. And what Photos is doing is mostly, I, I think in all the examples that I have on my devices right now, uh, these are images that contain people that Photos knows because you've identified them. So say, for example, a photo of my family at uh, New Year's. So Photos knows that that's my wife and that's my daughter. And it knows, because I have them in my contacts, it has um, email addresses or text numbers associated with them. And so it makes the assumption, hey, do you want to share this photo with Kim? Do you want to share this photo with, you know, Bob or Jim or whoever is in the photo? And it's it's basically like a shortcut for making this this easily shareable. And one of the things about when you do this, when you share it with them, it basically creates an iCloud link so they can they can look at it, but it has a time limit. So after about 30 days, it will uh no longer be available. And I think that's just kind of a nod to privacy so that I don't know, things just aren't hanging out there. So the idea is, uh, if I have a picture of you, Kirk, you would have 30 days to download it or add it to your own library or what have you. And if you don't take advantage of that, then it just goes into the ether because maybe you didn't care or maybe you didn't think it was a good picture or what, whatever. Well, I don't see these sharing suggestions. Where are they? I'm, I'm on my iPhone now because before... <laughs> Um, on my Mac, uh, you, I was saying I don't see for you. See, I usually look at my photos on my Mac. Um, I rarely use them on my iPhone, except when I need to share a photo with someone, essentially. Uh, yeah. Here's this photo that you want to see. Um, so here, I'm going to share it to you. Yeah. So well, where do I find this on my iPhone? 
So, so uh, in the Photos app, you tap the For You tab yeah. that's uh, yeah. at the bottom. And yep. part of this is sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not, sometimes ah, they're in different right. orders because okay. because it's it's AI. So, like for right now, uh, on my For You, I see a section for Memories uh, mm-hmm. where it, it's grouped things based on uh, location and time. Um, there's shared album activity. So things that have, that have happened on various shared albums. And then yep. I have sharing suggestions, uh, a shot from the weekend, um, a picture of my daughter from last week, those sorts of things. Um, okay. Now I don't see that. I see memories, featured photos and shared album activity. It could be because, well, do you have any photos of people that you know? Yeah. That. It yeah, would have picked quite up. a few. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, there's photos of my partner. There's photos of my son, my partner's brother, my partner's granddaughter. Well, she wouldn't have an email address, so I don't think um, it would make a suggestion. But is that how it works? It looks for the... Do, do I have to link the person in faces or, or in people to a contact for that to work? Oh, that's a good question. Um Quite possibly, uh, yeah. We, we are positioning ourselves here as experts on yes. this topic. We are definitely experts in this uh, uh, in this massive confusion. Um, I believe that is the case. So, so it will do sharing suggestions if you are if if you have defined that person as a person in your albums. I believe that is the case. Because it will also like, you know, well, I've got people, I mean, I've got a bunch of people in my people tab, but none of them show me any way of making a contact. Have you named the people? I have. Yeah. Well, then I'm going to say, Oh, I see. Wait, I just figured it out. Okay. If I go to edit the name of a person, um, I can choose from my contacts but I don't see it actually adding anything to make it a contact. Does that make sense? I, I don't. I don't see anything that says um, you'll be able to then automatically share. Of course, at the bottom it says updating people, but people will finish updating when photos is in the background, as if it can't do it when it's in the foreground. Right. Right. Which is another one of the the, the rants that I have uh, in that article, um, also because. And I think this is a general frustration with photos in this regard, which is photos kind of does things on its own time. So even if if you and I were to go have coffee right now and take a bunch of pictures of each other and then, uh, you know, 10 minutes later go to, uh, you know, a tea shop or something, there's no control over saying, you know, oh, look, Kirk is in all these photos. I want to share them with him using this feature and photos would be like, uh, maybe Kirk's in maybe. them. I haven't gotten around <laughs> to it. You got to plug it in later overnight. Like, like, and, and there's no way to force it to say, no, look, I know this is Kirk and I want to share them with him. And you just, you're kind of at the mercy of photos. So, yeah, you know, yet I remember when Apple demoed this feature, it was like at a party and then people were sharing the photos automatically right afterwards. Oh Yeah. Yeah, so it's. Should we believe Apple? Uh, you shouldn't believe anyone. That's that's the yeah. problem. <laughs> it's a neat feature, and 
I like the idea of making it more engaging, especially if it's something that you want to share with other people, because it tends to the things that tend to surface are uh, events and gatherings and all that. But if you want to be really deliberate about it, uh, just airdrop to people. Yeah, really. Okay. Honestly. I, I think I, I, I would almost be tempted to cut a lot of this out of the podcast, but I'm going to leave it because it just shows how complicated it is. Yeah. And that maybe this is not the ideal solution. Um, shared albums, however, do work quite well once you figure out how to get them done. So we were talking about Apple's Photos app, but you can also do this with Lightroom. Yes, definitely. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to something I wrote for Creative Pro. Uh, because Lightroom, the, the cloud focused version of Lightroom, not Lightroom Classic, uh, because everything is automatically uploaded to Creative Cloud anyway, it's really easy to basically say, I want to put these photos into an album and I want to share that album on the web. And on the back end, uh, Creative Cloud just creates a a, a public facing uh, website for it. And um, what's nice about those albums, in addition to making it really easy to share, uh, people who are viewing it can comment, they can mark favorites, uh, you can restrict who can actually see it. So, for example, uh, I shot some headshots for a friend a few weeks ago, and once I had made the my selections of the ones that I wanted to share with her, I just basically made that that site public and I made it so that anybody could view the, the, the link, but only shared the link with her. And that let her immediately see the photos that I had shared with her. And I didn't have to try to, you know, do a, a, a Dropbox or, you know, iCloud files, like all those other possibilities. I could just say, go to this link Take a look at what you have. Feel free to comment or favorite any of them, or if you have any, you know, additional edits or or anything, let me know. And it was very straightforward and just you know right through Lightroom. So there are other ways of doing this, and especially having some sort of a a, a cloud link that that ecosystem that we talk about a lot. This is one of those advantages where iCloud or Creative Cloud they can do something like this because the files are already up there. They just have to make them publicly available. Okay. I think that's enough for now. And we should move on to our snapshots. So in the photoactive Facebook group, one of our listeners asked us about an app that we had recommended in the past called focus. And I went back and I looked, uh, that was actually my snapshot for episode number one which I believe was now, what, 15 years ago? <laughs> Something yeah, like that. at least. It feels like it. Uh, we're on episode 63 now. Uh, quick pat on the back for us. Uh, Focos came out when Apple started doing uh, the portrait mode. And the idea was to give you a little bit more control over depth maps and portrait mode and, and, and change the the amount of blur in the background, because at the time Apple would just sort of apply it and that would be it. And then uh, subsequently Apple added the ability to virtually change uh, the, the level of blur. And quite honestly, I brought up Focos then because it was a neat idea. But then when Apple introduced that, that setting, I kind of forgot about it. And so uh, our, our listener, he was like, Hey, 
have you guys taken a look at this since then? Uh, wh what do you think of it? And so I did w go and take a look. And actually, it's really cool because one of the things that it can do now is apply a depth map and, and, and do that, that blurry focus effect uh, on any image. So not just one shot with the portrait mode uh, on the phone, which generates a depth map and uses that to figure out what should be blurry and what should be in focus. So focus is using basically AI to figure out which areas are the object and which areas are the background and uh, for for any shot and I have to say it does a really good job I'll put some examples in the in the show notes um, I was really kind of surprised so it's it's definitely uh, improved and sort of gotten past that oh Apple kind of Sherlocked us on this feature what can we what can we do to make it better Kirk what snapshot do you have this week uh, I want to talk about an app called Plex are you familiar with Plex I am familiar with Plex yes Plex is a media server, and I've been using it for years to manage my video library of videos that I've ripped. Um, you can also use it for music. Um, and I was just chatting with a friend this afternoon who had just installed it over the weekend and was exploring it for the first time. And I realized there's a really interesting feature in it that I'd never used, but that might come in handy. Um, now, Plex, it runs on a computer. It's a, it's a media server, so it's running a server in the background, and it can serve files to different devices on your network using an app, say an iOS app um, on your iPad or your iPhone. And you get some basic features for free, but if you pay for what's called a Plex Pass, you get advanced features. It's five bucks a month. It might be $50 a year for the Plex Pass. And one of them is camera uploads. Now, here's why this could be useful. You've taken a bunch of photos on your camera, and you've got that little dongle for the SD card that connects into your iPad or your iPhone. And you want to make sure you store those photos someplace. And there's lots of places you can do this. If you have Lightroom, you do it there. If you have iCloud, you can do it there. But you might be limited in terms of space. The thing about Plex is it's going to use the library on your computer. And as long as you have the bandwidth, you can send terabytes of photos over to your own computer rather than being limited in the cloud. Now, I will admit, I have never tried this yet. I'm going to link to an article on the Plex website, Setup Camera Upload iOS. There's also an Android version of this. Um, again, you'd be limited to bandwidth, but this allows you to offload your photos and to put them in a place where they're even more secure than in the cloud. Do you have this set up on like a secondary Mac or is this just running on your, your regular computer or your main computer? I have computer? a Mac mini server that okay, I yeah. use for my Plex library and for some time machine backups, et cetera. But oh, you just need a computer where this is running and, and the computer's on, obviously. Yeah. Uh, now, it's very possible that even if the computer's not on, they're going to store them someplace. Um, again, I feel kind of guilty that I haven't looked into this entirely, um, but... Well, this will give people something to look into on their own, won't it? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I've I've used Plex also for for streaming movies and and the like, but I didn't realize that it also was doing photo stuff. Um, also, if you have a NAS, a network attached storage device, uh, those often have uh, Plex apps that you can run, and I believe you would get the same same benefit. Yeah, it runs the same Plex server, and that's also a good way to do it because you're using a low power device if it's going to be running all the time rather than a computer. And something that probably has a whole lot more storage too. Okay. Well, we'll be back in two weeks, coronavirus permitting. <laughs> um, 
Until then, Jeff, take a lot of photos and enjoy the cloudy weather in Seattle. I will. And you also enjoy the sunny weather. If it lasts. Thanks for listening to Photoactive. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in the show, at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. We couldn't afford the M. You can subscribe to Photoactive in your favorite podcast app or in Apple Podcasts. See the links on our website. And think about leaving us a rating or review on iTunes or in your podcast app. Don't forget that you can get 5% off any course at Masters of Photography with the coupon code PHOTOACTIVE. That's PHOTOACTIVE in one word. Until next week, thanks again for listening.